This is TLDR Podcast, where we talk sports, MLB, NHLs, NBAs, pop culture, and nobody understands Westworld, and more. Top 10 alcoholic beverages. With your hosts, Alex. Yeah, boy. Eric. Yo. James. The San Francisco 49ers, best team in the league. Traded. Right. Oh, the- sit down, bud. And Tyler. Oh, damn where we do the research and trash-talking for you. What kind of cockamamie bullshit is Adam Silver thinking? <laughs> they're playing super hot right now, and they're... It's they're not finishing. Going. It's the middle of the season. Oh, I understand that, but I'm saying that they're, they're moving towards that. Welcome to TLDR Podcast, presented by Anchor. How's it going, everybody? This is TLDR Podcast. This is episode, I believe, seventy-one. Yeah, now. we're back. We're in the we're, we're you know we're we're in the seventies now. But but uh, you know, unfortunately, we're still down two guys. Um, we got one, but one left. Um, Alex, welcome back. Thank James, you. we miss you. Eric, we really miss you, and it's been way too long since we've had you. Um, but Alex. First of all, you came onto the podcast. We haven't seen you in like three weeks and you've changed your face <laughs> um, and, yes. and not for Halloween. So tell us, you know, tell us how it's going, man. Yeah. So I was gone the last two weeks because um, I was in New York for a little vacay um, with the fiance's family. Shout out Robin. It was her 50th birthday. Um, so that's why I was gone. Bummed I missed episode 69. I wasn't mm. uh, keeping track of what numbers were at. So now I'm a little sad. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I, you know what? My beard had gotten really long. Obviously, this is a podcast for the people that are listening to it. Um, but I shaved in a whole mustache situation going on. It was kind of spur of the moment. Like uh, yesterday for Halloween, um, I was a Bugs Bunny Tune Squad, like the oh. Michael Jordan Tune Squad. Yeah. Um, I was going to be a fighter pilot, and that's when I was going to shave the mustache in for that. But like the suit was super weird. So I just, it was like too uncomfortable. So I didn't do it. Uh, and then I got home and I was like, you know what? Let's just shave it in for like November, like, you know, supporting men's health. Um, so here, yeah, here we are. But I'm glad to be back. I know it's been two weeks. So it's been kind of weird. The, the visual for you listeners is it's a, like, you know, Alex's beard's big and he has just this epic handlebar now all the way down. Like it doesn't <laughs> stop. It just goes all the way down to the to the chin, all the way to the chin uh, line. It is, yeah, it is quite epic. Um, <laughs> and welcome back, Alex. Hopefully, we won't miss you. You. you know, for a long time. <laughs> Tyler, we tried to play hockey yesterday, but again, they for some reason thought it was a good idea to book a hockey game on Halloween night for a men's league. Yeah, after a hello or during a Halloween where kids had just missed kind of one last year. Like I, I, I don't know the logic. But how are you doing, man? We had a nice we had a nice time at your house yesterday, at least. Yeah, so hockey, obviously, like just no feel by the uh, league organizers there booking a Halloween hockey game. Like they know that at least two thirds of their of their members are fathers and have children and are going to be busy on Halloween night. So rough on Anaheim ice there for doing that. But nonetheless, we got a little bit of stick time in there. Played some played some hockey for a little bit just with us. So it was it was, it was fun. Uh, but yeah, yesterday, uh, first time uh, Jess and I have hosted a football watch party at our, at our new place, and I thought it went very well. So uh, it was pretty much just you and Kylie, but uh, next time, hopefully, we'll have more people. 
the food was great. The football was great. So all, all around great day, minus the forfeiting hockey part. Yeah, the forfeiting hockey part was pretty rough, but uh, the rest of it was pretty was pretty great. And we, we thank you for having us. Um, we're ready. We're, ha- we're excited to do it again. Um, so I, I wanted, I wanted to start the podcast. I mean, we, you know, there's only three of us and usually we will only do, um, you know, a f- couple segments, but, um, I'm going to do a quick hockey segment regarding probably the biggest story that's hit the NHL in years, it seems like, and it's all that's been talked about for the past week. Um, so for those who are, in, who are tied into the league, you, you know, who, you know what that is. Um, if you don't, this is your chance to kind of, you know, hear about it and, um, you know, um, you know, get, get involved. Um, the, the Chicago Blackhawks were caught in a, uh, sexual assault, um, scandal, um, of, a with the, uh, video coach back in 2010, during their Stanley cup run um, with a, you know, a player that was, uh, was on that team. Um, and unfortunately the, the report that came out, it came out, you know, 10 years later and, and it, it proved everything that, that actually happened after, after this individual who was, who now named himself to be Kyle beach, uh, you know, sued the, sued the team in the middle of the summer for basically mishandling the entire situation. Um, so um, and I just, you know, there's been a lot of fallout. It's been quite the story there, um, quite the scandals considering there was a lot of, uh, covering up, uh, decisions made by what we thought were adults and by individuals that even I looked up to as a, a fan of hockey, who I, you know, some of these individuals and one in particular, I thought was one of the greatest coaches to ever, you know, be involved in the game. And turns out that he's the exact opposite. Um, so I'm just going to give everyone kind of a, a rundown of, of everything that happened. Um, and, you know, we're, and the boys and I are going to have just a discussion about this. Um, this is one of those, this is one of those moments that very similar to some of the discussions we've had on this podcast, maybe last summer and uh, you know, throughout, throughout this whole, um, you know, TLDR podcast journey, you know, some of these just need to be discussed and um, this is one of them. Uh, and so Back in May of 2010, during the during the uh, Blackhawks' first Stanley Cup run of their most recent dynasty, which is unfortunate we can call it that now, um, the uh, the former Blackhawks center Kyle Beach, who was actually a uh, an AHL player who got brought up as a as a basically a reserve player, um, engaged in a sexual encounter with uh, with the with the um, a video coach for these for the. Um, Chicago Blackhawks and it was unfortunately it was not consensual on uh, contrary to the um, report of you know the said um, um, suspect and um, unfor- uh, so be, uh, you know after that night that it, that it occurred and, and quite frankly I read the report you know you can find the report online it it's quite it, it's quite eye-opening and gut-wrenching um, and it and it kind of took my breath away um, and it kind of ruined you know, it really made you think about, you know, gave you some perspective anyway, but the, the worst part of it was uh, beach, you know, confided in a, in a skill coach to help him out who actually did everything he could to, to, you know, get it to who he, to, to, to fix the issue or at least to address the issue. And um, you know, he brought it to the, he brought it to the, to the executives up, you know, the GM assistant GM co uh, head coach and all who all those individuals had a meeting um, of which the skills coach was not involved, but the 
the liaison between the coaching staff and obviously the, the um, front office, you know, had their meeting. And in that meeting, unfortunately, um, they, the, I guess the PR guy and the head coach himself really wanted to brush this issue aside to take, take the spotlight off of, to take the potential spotlight off of that issue as they were just entering the Stanley cup final. Um, it, it really seemed like their biggest focus was on, you know, winning the Stanley cup, as opposed to addressing a, a real human, you know, incident that happened for, you know, an actual from, from, for, you know, for an actual human being. And um, unfortunately the, the, you know, it got brushed aside. The Blackhawks, as we know, won the Stanley cup in 2010. Uh, and then they went on and then human resources started to get involved with the incident way too late, but nonetheless um, it was a few weeks or it was, it was a few weeks after the incident. And basically the human resources were given uh, Brad Eldridge basically gave them an ultimatum that he, that he'd either resign or that he would, he would, he would get fired or, and they would open up an investigation. Obviously Eldridge took the, Took this, took his uh, resignation. The Blackhawks gave him a severance. They gave him a playoff bonus, and they gave him his championship ring for being on the team. And as as right now, his his name is um, etched into the Stanley Cup um, for that year. Um, he then ended up finding a job um, in Miami, uh, Miami University. Um, unfortunately, the Blackhawks gave him a glowing review, so he would get that job. And he then ended up sexually assaulting two men while serving as a coach for um, Miami university's director of hockey ops. Uh, after that, he resigned later that year after that, that kind of whole scandal um, initiated. And then he went at, uh, then he went to serve as a volunteer hockey coach for a high school team in Michigan, where then again, he uh, sexually assaulted a high school um, hockey player. And fortunately um, the, he was sentenced to jail for that one and um, is currently a registered sex offender in the state of Michigan. Um, all, all while, all while the, the Blackhawks completely have stonewalled, you know, this was back, this is 2013. So three years after the incident in Chicago, um, this, you know, the Blackhawks HR has really, really did a great job of pushing this under the brushing this under the rug. And then fast forward, I guess, you know, seven years now or six or seven or eight years now, um, John Doe, who now we know is Kyle Beach, uh, filed his lawsuit against the uh, against the Chicago Blackhawks for failure to punish Aldridge for his alleged assault in 2010, and the Blackhawks promptly opened it up opened up an in independent investigation, and um, you know it wasn't until just last Tuesday I believe that this report was that this report dropped, and the report was completely independent. Um, and and you can find again you can find the report online if you if you uh, are interested even the executive summary is enough to really get a good um, idea of of the story, and it and it really it really proved you know based on everything that they found um, testimonial interviews um, with you know individuals all around the situation um, it did it did prove that that Brad Aldridge did engage in a non consensual sexual act with uh, with Kyle Beach and. The worst part of it was the the Chicago Blackhawks had no, no no wherewithal to address the issue, and unfortunately for Kyle Beach, he has been living with that horror for the past eleven years. Um, in doing so, Stan Bowman and McIsaac, who I th who I believe was um, part of the uh, part of the front office as a as a PR guy or a director of hockey ops, I can't remember. 
they both have since um, um, resigned from the Blackhawks staff. Um, Stan Bowman, again, is one of those individuals who I thought was uh, one of the best GMs in the league, who is the son of one of the greatest coaches to ever live um, in Scotty Bowman. And clearly he was not an adult during, during a, a key incident where, you know, you think that you would take care of your players, but little, little do we, little do we know that wasn't necessarily the case. Um, the current Blackhawks CEO, Danny Wirt, said that the report is both disturbing and difficult to read. He was not part of the incident back then. So obviously he's, he's still um, the CEO of the, of the Chicago Blackhawks. And, uh, and it sounds like the, the owner, Rocky Wirtz, is, is extremely shocked. He, had no, he didn't even have any idea, which, is, which you can really tell is, is shocking. Um, Rocky Wirtz is a, is, a, is a great man. And I think he, I think he holds a well regard you know, in, the st- in the city of Chicago. So it would have been surprising if, if he would have known it would have let it go. Um, later that day, they announced, uh, the NHL announced it was finding the Blackhawks $2 million for their inadequate internal procedures and insufficient and untimely response to the handlings um, of Brad Aldridge's employment um, during 2010. $2 million seems like a complete slap in the face to us as fans and most importantly to Kyle Beach and all the victims that Brad Aldridge has has um, victimized in his you know in his tenure um so there was that um last week beach did come forward as john doe um, on a on an interview on tsn um he is currently playing um in germany he's playing um, pro- professional hockey in germany so he does have a job but um you know he he it was very brave of him to come out and he went so far as to apologize to the other victims of brad Ald- uh, of brad aldrich which you know brought a lot of <laughs> brought almost a tear to my eye because there's no reason that Kyle Beach should be apologizing for anything. Um, on October 28th, the day after, um, the day after all of this kind of came down, Quenville did resign. Unfortunately, Quenville did get to get that, get that did get to coach another game on the Wednesday before, which seems insane to me. I think he should have been completely told to, to stand down for that one game um, down in Florida, but nonetheless, he did, he did coach and he did, he did end up resigning. Um, he's the, he's the coach that I once considered one of the greatest coaches in, in the modern era. And unfortunately he had no regard for his players. Um, and as it stands now, um, the only other individual that was in that meeting was, um, assistant GM at the time, uh, Kevin Sheveldayoff, who is now the GM of the Winnipeg Jets. Um, the NHL has deemed him not a major part of the incident, um, and not in a position to, not in a position of power to have done anything substantial. So he currently was not asked to resign and he currently does hold his job. Um, a bizarre, a, a bizarre move by the NHL, but nonetheless a move that was made. And we're finding out now that um, the NHL PA head Donald fear is in the midst of, um, you know, fighting for his job because I think that he was a big part of the incident as well. There, I can't imagine that the NHL PA did not know it sounds like the NHLPA did know and they did nothing to, to protect the players, which is insane because the NHLPA is literally the players association. So there are many heads there that um, would really give a care, would really care about the, the way that the head of that um, uh, organization would treat their, their constituents. So I know that was a long story, um, but I just wanted to say to Kyle beach directly. I mean, you're that, what you did was one of the most brave things I've ever seen a, a professional hockey player do. I mean, hockey players are really kind of known for being, you know, soft-spoken, you know, not really caring about 
you know, their, their own well-being, but well, more so the well-being of others. And, but it, but what he did to bring this up to, to kind of bring this up and bring this about, I think saved, will save if it hasn't already saved a lot of people's lives down the road. Um, and it's something that unfortunately as, as a, you know, as a, as humanity and as a society, we need to do better to make sure that we are taking care of, you know, the humans on this planet. You know, there, there are, there are more things that are more important than hockey, basketball, baseball doesn't matter if it's a world series doesn't matter if it's a stanley cup doesn't matter if it's an olympic gold medal i don't it doesn't really matter because at the end of the day we're all humans and um it was very very tragic what what kyle beach had to deal with and unfortunately this isn't the last time that we'll probably ever hear about this type of incident um this is just one of those um and it's very unfortunate that it it had to he had to live with this pain for 10 years and 11 years. And it's only just beginning because now, now his story is out there with his name tied attached to it. And um, he'll forever, he'll forever have to have to bear that weight for the rest of his life. But I just wanted to to hand it off to the guys to give their perspective. Uh, I know I've taken up a lot of time, but um, Alex, I just wanted to know your, your thoughts about the incident. If there, you know, is there anything that kind of, you know, speaks to you or, you know yeah i mean um you know i don't think kyle had to come out and say it was him i think that's obvious. like if he wanted to keep that private you know i think he had every right to do that but and that he did um you know incredibly courageous and brave um it does seem like the um support for him doing you know saying he was john doe um has been pretty incredible around both the nhl and you know sports universe in general um and, you know something that i saw like kind of got lost in this is like he was a uh the 11th pick in the draft and like i'm there was a bunch of obviously at the time no one really knew what was going on but there was a bunch of tweets you know back in like 2010 2011 2012 like what a big bust he was um you know I think as general sports fans and obviously, you know, as podcasters and people that take in a lot of sports, you know, if your favorite player is struggling or some huge prospect doesn't pan out, you just never know what's going on behind the scenes. So like for Kyle, obviously something very traumatic happened. Um, and you know, who knows how, how that affected his playing ability. I feel like it probably did at least somewhat, um, if, if not a whole lot. So um, it's, it's pretty disappointing. Um, I feel like the, you know, we're getting more and more of these like type of stories, which I, you know, I guess in a good way, at least like it's coming out and the people that are responsible are being, um, you know, they're finally getting their justice, I guess. Um, Joe Quenville, like that's pretty disappointing for you. Florida Panthers fans, um, this is real shitty because you're having a great start to the year yeah. and now you're losing, you know, Joe Quenville should not have coached that game. He, you know, should have been, you know, let go or resigned or whatever. He should not have been behind the bench that night. You know, hopefully for Panthers fans and the team, like they can rally because obviously this kind of has nothing to do with right. their 2021 season. But, um, you know, Kyle, at least you got your your story is out there the support seems to be almost all positive and you know things are finally happening and you're getting your your justice and 
I don't really follow German hockey leagues, but I hope you're having a great season. Yeah, I think we all. I think that comes from everyone here. Uh, Tyler, did you have any thoughts before you know before I kind of wrap it up? Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, um, the fact that this happened at that time doesn't really surprise me um, with kind of the culture that it was back then, and you know the the policies and procedures that are in place today um, weren't what weren't what they were back then doesn't obviously excuse any of the actions taken by any of the Blackhawk members, but it doesn't surprise me. I, unfortunately, I also see it every day in, in my work that, you know, winning takes priority over sometimes the player's well-being, And it's really unfortunate that that's kind of the culture. And that's kind of what drives a lot of, you know, GMs, coaches, that's all they care about. You know, they say they care about the players, but at the end of the day, some, I'm not saying all coaches like this, most of them are very great, um, across any level of sports, but there unfortunately are a lot of bad apples. And um, fortunately, we've learned a lot from these stories the last few years. And fortunately, a lot of changes are being made in throughout the sports world on, on every level to prevent things from like this ever happening again. Um, so thankfully, you know, Kyle Beach was able to share his story and that it just adds more fuel to, I think, what's a really good movement in sports in general. Um, unfortunately, there's been a lot of victims of this. What's crazy to me is, you know, you know, re- re- reading the timeline of the story, um, the fact that the, the Blackhawks uh, system failed and didn't report this and didn't immediately do anything um, to help their player, which is already bad enough. But the fact that they still kept that guy on the team after they knew what he had done is mind blowing to me. Like that's to me, it's just unbelievable. Uh, the fact that he was with the team during the celebrations of, for, for, for the Stanley Cup and you know, he went on to, you know, hurt a lot more people after that happened. And the Blackhawks could have nipped it in the bud right then there. You know, it took, I think it was not until three years afterwards that he finally get caught by police until he was arrested. I think until he finally was brought to justice in, in that sense. But, you know, you could have stopped three years of sexual harassment had you done the right thing in the first place. And that's really what it's all about at the end of the day is when something like this happens is to prevent it from happening ever again. Um, so hopefully that does happen. And, you know, I think you are seeing a lot more changes uh, in sports, um, you know, and, and it makes, you know, I have to do the online sexual harassment training at work every year. And sometimes I have to roll my eyes when I came to do this again, but then you hear stories like this and like, that's why we do it. It's, it's so that you're educated and you know what to do if something comes up and it's, it's super important. So um, I think that's kind of my, my biggest takeaway. Um, like I said, I'm, I'm not surprised, unfortunately, that this did happen, but I think fortunately there are a lot of good changes that are happening um, lately. Um, so hopefully that, that continues. And like I said, to Kyle Beach and his friends and family, like all the support and all the, all the, all, all, all the love you can get from all this stuff. Yeah. I think you guys are, I think you guys are right on, right on the head there. And <clears throat> I guess to, to kind of conclude, um, you know, I, I kind of want to echo <clears throat> what J- coach John Tortorella, who's actually former NHL coach John Tortorella said, and he was, he's pretty disgusted by this entire incident. And he, and he asked the members, what if it was your 20 year old that was the victim here? And I think, I think for some reason that we dehumanize people in, 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 in the worst kind of ways, um, in times where, I mean, you should never, you should never feel dehumanized or, or not that you don't exist. And that is something that, that, that that is something that Kyle Beach has said. He he felt like he did not exist during that entire during that entire uh, you know fallout. And 
Um, it is unfortunate for anyone to feel that way, uh, whether it's, you know, signs of the stuff that we've talked about on this podcast before, or in, in these cases in a sexual harassment, um, situation. And, um, to all the victims that Kyle beach here, you will hopefully save and will save, um, you know, thank you for your, for your, for your courage and, um, and just everybody just needs to use this. If anything, use this situation as yet another um, learning, learning, um, um, experience. And, uh, hopefully this, this better never ever happen again. Unfortunately it will, but hopefully we can nip it in the bud. Like Tyler mentioned. Um, I, sorry, that was so long, um, needed to get that out. It's been a long week. Um, <laughs> thinking about that. Um, even that, even just reading the report was enough for me. It was enough to shake me up. So, um, I'm glad I got that off my chest. Um, when we come back, we're going to lighten it up. We're going to talk about, um, some basketball, um, since Alex is back, thank God. Um, we haven't talked about basketball in many, many weeks. And then after that, we're going to end with some real serious talk and some PETA scandal. We'll get there later. And we're back. We lighten it up a bit. We took a little bit of a break. We're back. We're going to talk about basketball. There's some pretenders and contenders out there. I know it's early, but Alex, what do you got? Yeah, you know, you know. So you know, Tyler does your his O dams trade, and you do your O pucks or whatever the fuck you call them. <laughs> uh, and I, you know, that's kind of what I did last year. And we'll probably get back to that. Is you know, kind of going through like three or four like major storylines for the like the past week in the NBA. Um, but after, you know, what we just talked about, I feel like let's switch to some positive things. So let's talk about some teams, you know, we're, you know, two, two and a half weeks into the season here. Let's talk about some teams that have had hot starts. Um, obviously again, very early, you know, most teams have played like seven, six or seven games. Um, but we're going to play contenders or pretenders. So I got six teams. We're just going to go through them. They've all had, you know, decent starts. Some, you know, either weren't playoff teams last year or like barely squeaked into the playoffs last year and have had and have had good starts. Um, so let's start with the New York Knickerbockers. So we talked about it last year a ton. They were a surprise team. You know, they ended up um, being a four seed and uh, last year lost in the first round, unfortunately, James, um, even though you're not here, fake Knicks fan or whatever. Uh, but the Knicks are five. The Knicks are five and two to start this season. There, that's the that gets you the three seed in the East. Um, Tyler, let's start with you. We're I mean, again, we're all all of us are going to talk about them. So we'll just real quick, are the Knicks? You, and you can even say somewhere in between. Are they legit contenders? Are they pretenders? Is this just a hot start, or are they some other word that rhymes with "ers" in the middle there <laughs> that I don't I can't think of? Yeah. Uh, so for in my mind, I think the Knicks are contenders. I mean, you saw them last year, obviously a shortened season. Um, but I think this Knicks team uh, in this Eastern Conference will contend for sure. Uh, that Kemba Walker, Derek Rose combo is off to a really good start. It seems like I think it's working out really well for them. Uh, so I like what that's looking like. Uh, they're a great three point shooting team. They're second in the league in three point field goals made and percentage so they can shoot the three ball very very well which is a big deal in today's nba um so they're off to a great start you know they they, they played very well last year and i think that they'll continue doing that i think this team is going to build off the confidence and success they had last season uh, i i see this team as a con- contender for sure 
Okay. Trading. Same, same question. Yeah. I mean, it's early. I'm, I'm going to pump the brakes a little bit. I'm going to look at their schedule. I mean, they've had, they've had two games against the magic who are like, eh. uh, they've had the Pelicans who are, eh. they lost to the Raptors who are really, eh, in my opinion, I mean, they're okay, but they, you know, they, since, since Lowry left, I, th- I don't think they're, they've been the same. There's, they're kind of in a rebuild mode, kind of re- reframing themselves. Uh, and then I look at, then I look at, you know, their stats and, and, and they, and they actually look pretty good, you know, uh, from three, from three, they're doing really well. Uh, although from all the sh- shots inside the line, not they're, 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 they're doing, eh. um, they're not really great on the rebound side, which in my opinion, I think is a, is, a, is an important stat down the road. And I just wonder if they're going to be able to hold, hold up against, you know, better teams. Um, they're, you know, the, the amount of possessions they have per, per game is not, is in the lower end of the spectrum, which again, if you're not having the ball, you, you're not going to be able to, to compete against these, you know, juggernauts, um, you know, in the, in the, um, in the league. So I, I just like kind of pump the brakes and just see, kind of see how they go in against better teams. They play the bucks on the fifth, see how that goes. Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of leaning more towards trade-in, um, you know, the Bucks. speaking of that, have had kind of a bad start. They're three and four to start the season, defending NBA champs. Um, it it feels – the Knicks feel like a playoff team. The Kemba Walker, Julius Randle, um, Derek Rose, like this team is good. Uh, I just don't know if they're like elite contenders in, in the Eastern Conference. Like I feel like if at the end of the season the Knicks were the Eastern Conference champ, that would be a, that would be a surprise. They feel like a playoff team. They don't really feel like – a full-on NBA finals contender, but I guess Tyler, I can also see what you're saying. Like they are a contender in the Eastern conference, I guess is like a better way to put it, but great start for the Knicks. They had a huge win opening night against the Celtics uh, double overtime game. So hopefully they keep it rolling. Uh, moving on to another team in the Eastern conference, the Chicago bulls are six and one. Now they had over the last couple of years have pretty much redone their entire roster um, Zach Levine is the star, um, Nikola Vucevic, um, they traded for, and, or kind of like sign and trade, um, for both Lonzo ball and DeMar DeRozan. They're six and one right now. Um, when I sent the text to the group, um, you know, even though James and Eric are not here, they're still part of the group text. Uh, James responded very, very quickly and said, the bulls are contenders. And I told James, shut the fuck up. You're not a part of this. You're not here. <laughs> so <laughs> trade in. The Bulls, um, we talked about them in our season previews that, you know, they felt like a team that didn't make the playoffs last year that probably had one of the better shots of making the playoffs this year. Great start. Oh, my God. I didn't even mention Alex Caruso, the GOAT. Um, the Chicago Bulls, are they like full on contenders or is this also just been like a really hot start? Look, the word contender means that they're like a like a playoff contender. No. Sorry, James. They're not a contender in that sense. Look, they're ha- I think they're having a hot start. They don't shoot enough from three. It's sh- it's shown they don't they don't have the the amount of uh, threes close to the uh, to the um, the league. They're actually at the league bottom, even though they have the most the highest percentage. They're just not shooting enough. Which we're at when you play sh- you know more shooter friendly teams, you're going to lose just on a mathematical basis. It's just proven. Um, their rebounds are are terrible. Like they're low, they're the lowest in, in, on both ends. And again, I know that I know I'm not the basketball guy, but I, that, I, that's something I look, look at, um, you know, just in terms of a possession type of standpoint and, and, and lo and behold, they're on the, the low end of their possessions per, uh, per game. So 
Look, I think I think they're actually really they're a good team, and I think this is the best that we've seen the Chicago Bulls. I still am going to hold off. This is a big week for the Bulls, right? They have two games back to back, or it's not back to back, but they have two games in a row against um, the, the 76ers, and then they play the Nets, the Mavericks, and the Warriors. Um, all that within the next um, week and a half. Those five games are huge because you're playing very, very good, very, very good teams. If you consider the Warriors a good, uh, a good team, a Mavericks, a good team. And then the Nets are the Nets. Um, this is their test. If they can make it through here um, and then even go to LA and kick some ass in LA, then we'll talk about a contender. But again, let's just pump the brakes a little bit. Yeah. After hearing that schedule, it would not surprise me in a week and a half for two weeks, however long it is that they could be six and six. Like They could lose. They could realistically lose all five of those games. Um, Tyler, same thing. Contenders, pretenders, somewhere in the middle. Yeah, uh, I'm going to go pretenders as well on this one. Um, they're they're not a super efficient offensive team. They're not horrible, but they're also not really that great. And defensively, they're they're a little bit better defensively than they're offensively. They're fairly consistent. Um, they do both consistently at their level, and they actually do have the fifth best net net rating in the league, which is probably their best stat that they can offer but other than that i'm not i don't know there i i think the depth is a little bit of a concern for this team you're already seeing some 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 injuries there um i don't know i i think this team has potential to be a contender down the line i think come trade deadline they're going to be a really interesting team if they're you know close to a, a, a playoff spot um they're definitely going to be a team to watch at the trade deadline if they can add a piece here and there i think they definitely can be considered contenders but I don't think they're quite there. I, I, I was really 50-50 on this, on, on this Bulls team. They've got put some potential. But in terms of like really, really look at this team from a detailed perspective, I don't really see this lasting. I think it's just a really good start. I think that gives them a lot of confidence. I think that'll help them in the long run. But I think at season's end, I don't know if this Bulls team, as they are established right now, is going to be a contender. Yeah, there's, not a, there's definitely not enough shooting um, on that Bulls team at all. I mean – um, Ball has never been a shooter. Levine's never really been a shooter. DeRozan can be, but he's never been like a like lights out shooter. Caruso's never been really a shooter. So like, they feel like a a team that like they're they're unbelievably gifted as a like individual players. Obviously, it's come together very well to start. Um, I think they can. I think they can mesh and become somewhat of a contender. There's the other thing is like there are big question marks with like what were the big three last year in the Eastern Conference. The Ben Simmons situation in Philly is nowhere close to being figured out. The Kyrie Irving situation in Brooklyn is nowhere close to being figured out. And as we saw with the Lakers last year, going back to back. So for the Bucks, that's really tough. I think the Bucks are probably in the best position out of those three, bringing most of their teams, those guys back. So like, I think the Bulls are closer to being like legit contenders maybe than the Knicks are, but things have to fall really well for them. And they're going to have to, you know, maybe figure something else out, get some shooters at that trade deadline. Um, feels like a, feels like a playoff team, but it wouldn't all, it wouldn't surprise me all that much either if it just kind of imploded partway through the season. So uh, James, you can fuck off. Uh, moving, <laughs> moving on to Tyler's Washington Wizards, who snuck into the playoffs last year, and we all shat on them, and then they ended up making it. Huge offseason for them, obviously. Traded away Russell Westbrook, 
um, to the Lakers, got back Kuzma, KCP, Trez. Um, they're five and two also to start the season. Um, I think we all sort of, as we're doing our previews, sort of assumed the Wizards would maybe be fighting for like a play-in spot again. There were also questions if Bradley Beal was even going to stick around, if they were just going to like do a whole big rebuild. They obviously didn't go that direction. So Tyler, the Washington Wizards, pretenders, contenders. Contenders, man. I like this team. I don't know what I, I, I think I got handed this team because I was like the last person to respond in one of those uh, chats the other day. And ever <laughs> since then, this team's on a roll. So like, I, I like this Wizards team. Uh, the pieces they got from the Westbrook trade are playing very well. And they seem to complement the pieces that they had already, especially with Bradley Beal. Uh, they look good. They got a lot of hustle, man. They, they're a great rebounding team. They put in a lot of hard, hard work. I think they found something late last season, and I think that's transferred over to the season. Even though they, they lost Westbrook, who was a big-name a, a big player in that team, I think the core of this team and, and their philosophy, something clicked last year, and I think that's definitely followed through. Um, I think you're seeing that with the, with the new group of guys. And as I said, like, you know, I think a bulk of this team did, did, did return, and especially led by uh, Bradley Beal. Uh, I like this team. I think they're contenders. Trading. Uh, they're pretenders. I mean, they're kind of all over the place. I mean, they've had a couple high scoring wins, a couple ugly wins, or ugly, uh, a couple of ugly losses. It's just kind of like all over the place. Um, they are five and zero, oh, but Bradley Beal's field goal percentage is thirty nine point five. That's thirty six among players with at least hundred goal field goal attempts. Um, and I I just think, huh? That'll get better. Yeah, we'll we'll see. Uh. Uh, I probably will be. Let's be real. <laughs> and imagine when it gets better. Um, Russell Westbrook has they, their, their, their possessions, their possessions have gone down since uh, Russell Westbrook jo- uh, left. Uh, I, I, you know, I, again, this is a team that they've kind of, their, their, their competition hasn't been all, all electric. I mean, the Celtics have been really bad. I mean, they haven't been great. Um, they have beat the Hawks twice. So that's another team that James really likes and they beat them twice. I don't, uh, I'm sorry. Uh, they went, they went one and one there. Um, they play the Raptors, Grizzlies, and then the Bucks on Sunday. We'll see how that goes. <sighs> is this an easy schedule? No, not necessarily, but they did get sh- completely sh- uh, mollywopped by the Nets. So I, I just, I don't, I, I just don't feel it. Don't feel it yet. <laughs> don't feel hey, the magic. Sometimes, sometimes that's what it's about. It's not always about numbers and who you beat and who you didn't beat. Sometimes it's just a gut feeling. That was kind of what Tyler did with them last year. There was no reason for him to say they were going to make the playoffs. It was a gut feeling. But I I think they are also pretenders, um, especially watching Kuzma and KCP over the last three or four years, you know, quite a bit being a Lakers fan. They can look really good for like five games, and you're like, okay, yeah, yeah. And then the next 10, you're like, oh, yeah, that's right. Kuz, Kuz will end up scoring like four points. You're like, dude, how are you this bad again? I think this team is going to have a lot of peaks and valleys um, with their season. This may just be one of those peaks. Um, I do. I think they're going to end up fitting somewhere into that play-in game. Um, I don't feel like they're a top six team, you know, to kind of avoid those that play-in tournament. So, um, you know, especially with the teams that are under like underneath them, Brooklyn, Atlanta, Milwaukee, maybe Boston, maybe Indiana, those, you know, those two last teams have been playing pretty shit to begin this season. But um, I think, I think the wizards are 
pretenders in the fact that I don't think they'll end up a four seed like they are right now, but contenders that they can be fighting for the playoff or play in game. Um, moving on to the last one in the Eastern conference, I picked six teams. Uh, it was kind of tough to like find really specific ones, but um, the Charlotte Hornets. Uh, so they, well, when I texted the boys, they were five and two, they've since lost a game. So now they're five and three. Um, same thing. They made the play in tournament last year. Um, they did not come out of that tournament um, trade in. So the Charlotte Hornets, super fun team to watch pretenders or contenders. Yeah. It's super fun when you're not a fan of the Hornets, but when you are, you're, you're watching them get completely fucking shit canned in the first, in the first half of the game, they have been outscored 14.2 points per hundred possessions in the first half of games, but their second half is the league's best. So it's like, Oh, we're going to wait. We're going to wait to play. And then we're going to play. Does anybody think that's sustainable? It's not, it's not going to fucking work. I mean, you have to come out at the beginning and play a full basketball game. It's like that in hockey. It's like that in football. It's like that in every fucking sport. You can't take halves or quarters off. So look, it's, it's very fun when, I mean, when you're at the game, you're like, Oh, piss. And then you get to watch them have a huge comeback. I mean, it, their, their last game against Portland was their first of their seven that they didn't trail by double digits, guys. Like, it's not, they're not going to be able to come back from that ever, like for that much longer. So I'm going to say pretenders. Tyler? Yeah. I mean, this team is very, very fast-paced. They're so fast. Did you know that the NBA tracks, like, average speed of players during a game and they accumulate that and you can tell which team's the fastest in the league? The Hornets are second fastest in the league, I believe, behind only the San Antonio Spurs. So these, this team plays real fast, uh, but they're off to an amazing start offensively. They're first in the league in points per game, first in the league in three-point field goals made, and first in the league in three-point percentage. So this team knows how to score. Defensively, not very disciplined, uh, a lot of issues on that side of the ball, and I think that's going to contribute to a lot of ups and downs throughout the season. But as Alex, Matt, as, as Alex mentioned, they are really fun to watch. Uh, if you like scoring, this Charlotte Hornets team is a really fun one to watch. Uh, so I'm kind of on the fence with this team. They were on the fence last year. I do think that they're going to be better this year. I think like we did mention the preseason. I, I don't know if I had them or if I mentioned this, but I do think they're going to be better this season. Um, contenders, not quite ready to say contenders, but really close though. I, this team's got a lot of, of, of talent, a lot of potential. Um, but obviously I think from the fundamental part of championship basketball, which is defense, they just aren't quite there yet. So that, that needs to get better. But, man, this team knows how to score, and they're one of the best. They are currently the best in the league in scoring. So you have to give some nod to that. I'm going to go contenders, and here's why. Nothing about numbers. It's more of a gut thing. And it's, it's more of like there's always in every, in every league, doesn't matter football, basketball, hockey, baseball, does not matter. There's always a team or two that's like takes a step forward like a year too early that we're always thinking about, oh man, they're going to be good. Like 2022, 2023, like the giants this year, we knew they were going to be, they're going to be good in baseball. We knew they were going to be good in the next couple of years. All of a sudden they were like, let's just win 107 games. That's what I kind of feel like this Hornets team could do. Like we kind of saw them coming last year. And then all of a sudden it wouldn't surprise me if they were just like, you know what, let's just score at an unbelievable pace and play zero defense, kind of like what the Nets did last year, and just end up a four seed somehow. So I'm going to go contenders. It This 
could could come back to bite me in the ass for sure but i'm gonna go contenders for the charlotte hornets um also just like that franchise has been pretty lowly for the last like forever so i'm kind of just like for charlotte fans i hope it just it just kind of gets better for you um okay we're moving on to two teams in the western conference now western conference was a little tougher to pick um because when you're looking at the teams that are like starting off pretty strong most of them are like okay yeah those are good teams um definitely if you're looking at at the standings in those top six there's one team that stands out and that's the minnesota timberwolves granted they've only played five games they're three and two um they have a lot of individual talent they've been a pretty disappointing franchise last little bit uh so tyler the minnesota timberwolves pretenders or contenders yeah, a surprisingly really good defensive team. Uh, fourth in the league in defensive rating. I think that's why you've seen the success from Minnesota so far. But uh, I think they're pretenders. Look, I mean, this team, for whatever reason, they just can't seem to really figure things out for pretty much their entire existence. Um, they have a lot of talent, um, for sure. I think this team's going to be better than they were. Um Looking at, you know, doing the segment and, and doing the research, the NBA.com has got some really interesting stats. Uh, they are first in the league in one thing. They are first in the league in points per game from first round picks. Or for, yeah, first round picks. So their first wow. round picks that they have as a, as a team are the best in the NBA. So that's, that's interesting. That's interesting. I just thought that was interesting. So second only to the Los Angeles Lakers. So, uh, Interesting. Wait, first stat. overall picks or just first round picks in general? First round picks in general. Oh, okay. Yeah. First round picks in general. They lead the league with on points per game from first round picks that are on their team. They some they're if you if you if you're a big stats guy, go to NBA.com and look at their stats section. It's phenomenal, actually. I, I actually really enjoy looking through those. Eric, but, when you listen to this later, that's for you. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, big, big numbers guy. But uh yeah, for me, they're 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 contenders. I, I, I just don't see how this team's going to contend in that conference right now. Trade, same question. You couldn't even be more of a pretender. <laughs> try. Look, I'll give you, I'll give you that Tyler. They do have a, a number four defensive rating. That's, that's all they got. They, they are shitty shooting. They can't shoot. Everything on the offensive side of the ledger is mediocre at best to shitty. And on top of that, they're, now I know that this game is is a big three game, and then it's everyone behind. This they magnify this. There there is nothing after D'Angelo Russell. There's fucking nothing, zero, and that is a big fucking issue. Uh, I just just no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So Tyler, the first round pick stat is really interesting, mm-hmm. especially because in the NBA there's only two rounds in the draft there's the first round and the second round and that's it (laughs) it's not like baseball where there's 30 rounds or whatever so that is really funny yeah Um, because like most teams have a lot of first round picks so that is like it's kind of an interesting stat um but they do have two former number one overall picks in carl anthony towns and anthony edwards and a number two overall pick in d'angelo russell you're right, Tyler. I don't know why this team can never figure it out. Um, just other than like a couple years with like Kevin Garnett and Kevin Love, they were kind of good. But, you know, A-Rod's part owner now. We learned last year, so maybe something will change. But, um, yeah, they're pretenders, especially in the Western Conference where, um, you know, 
there are teams below them that are going to be better at the end of the season. I just thought the fact that they had started strong was kind of interesting. And then the very last team, um, the Sacramento Kings, and I'm going to give this as a caveat a little bit. My contenders means can they make the plan? Like that's, that's their, like their highest expectation. Anyway, they're three and three. I just wanted to give them a little bit of love because it's very similar to the Minnesota Timberwolves. The Sacramento Kings have pretty much been shit for the last two decades. Like since we were kids and they were battling the Lakers, you know, Peja Stojakovic, Chris Weber, Mike Bibby, those type of years, they've been pretty bad. Um, so Tyler, I don't know. I can't remember what order we're going in anymore. Sacramento Kings are three and three. Can they make the play in tournament as contenders in that, in that little aspect right there? Nah, dude. <laughs> Sacramento Kings we're talking about here. Yeah. Three and three. Congratulations. Uh, I don't, I don't think, I don't think it's going to get much better. I mean, like there's really no, there's nothing to look at this team. You're like, okay, they can, con- no, just no. Okay. So, Pretenders to even finish as the 10 seed in the West. Yeah, hard no, hard pass. Okay, trading. So, (laughs) you know how when we did SAT training and they told us if you're running out of time, you just answer a question because they don't give you any points for a blank answer? That's what (laughs) Alex did with these last two picks. He's like, fuck (laughs) it, I'm running out of time. I'm just going to pick two fucking teams. (laughs) Uh, That's why why I'm going to chalk this up, though. That's my answer. That's my answer. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, well, part of it is, like, you look at the Western Conference, Utah's good, Golden State's good, Dallas is good, the Lakers are good, Memphis is good. Then it's, like, Denver, Portland, and Phoenix. Like, those (laughs) are good. And then, like, the other teams that are at the bottom, you're like, okay, the Rockets are shit, the Thunder is shit, the Pelicans are shit, the San Antonio Spurs are shit, the Clippers are pretty (laughs) depressing. So, like, I kind of had to just, like, pick some ones. I didn't want to do all Eastern Conference. Fair enough. Um, I feel like the Kings, speaking of those teams that are below them, in that, in those 11 through 15, the Kings are definitely better than the Rockets, the Thunders, and the Pelicans, especially with yeah. Zion out for some more amount of time. San Antonio, I have no idea what's going on there. They feel very strange. And without um, Kawhi Leonard, the Clippers seem to be kind of all over the place, um, unfortunately or fortunately, depending on who you are a fan of. So I think the Kings do have a shot of making that play in tournament that doesn't even technically count as the playoffs so even if they make it in there and then lose they don't really make the playoffs and they'll extend their like 20 year long streak or however long it is but because my fiance's family is from sacramento they have season tickets to the kings now i hope they at least play better for them um good good luck kings fans i guess we we, i i'll give them this they did lose to the lakers I'm going to say that I beat the Lakers. That's that. That's pretty good. But the Lakers are, have kind of been. Uh, hey, nice Lakers now. are four and three. That's a winning record. I'm going to take it. Yeah. yeah. It, it was a little shaky. Yeah. Don't tell me all we're thinking. Um, okay. Those are my pretenders and contenders. Uh, next week, we'll probably get back to kind of a more typical, you know, what's going on in the NBA. Um, but trading that is, that's it. All right, that was that was fun. Um, good banter there. And James, look, the Bulls are actually good. Let's just be real; they are good. Um, just maybe not. I, actually, I think they're going to make the play-in tournament. We can say that. If that if we knew that caveat, I probably would have said 
contender. I'll get, I'll, I, I changed my answer. I, I thought the caveat was like a playoff guy. Oh yeah. Um, the caveat was just for the Kings. Okay. <laughs> then, yeah. Never mind. <laughs> uh, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk. Um, PETA's bringing up some other bullshit again. And more importantly, the World Series. So uh, when we come back. With health concerns on the rise, it's as important as ever to keep your people safe. Dimer isn't another BS COVID company. They've been developing their tech to kill germs and save lives since 2014. Dimer's original UBC products have won them partnerships with some of the best technology companies in the country and earned them a spot on Time Magazine's Best Inventions of 2020. Dimer started out disinfecting airplanes. Now they're in hospitals, athletic facilities, hotels, classrooms, basically anywhere people might have been sick. When it comes to keeping your players, employees, guests, and customers in your facility safe, trust Dimer. For TLDR listeners, they are offering free disinfection as a service in select areas. So that means they will come disinfect your facility for free. You can take them up on this offer by visiting dimeruv.com and at dimeruv on social media. Use code TLDR for your first disinfection as a service appointment for free. That's Dimer like diner with an M as in Mike Trout. Ever heard of him? Kill more germs, prevent more infections, save more lives. D-I-M-E-R-U-V dot com. And we're back. Speak ironically speaking of bullshit. Um <laughs> I mean, Peta's in the uh, in baseball news, and I know it's not. I know we're not doing the MLB o dams, really. It's just World Series talk. But that was a pretty interesting story, Tyler. Um, we also got to talk about this crazy World Series. Um, I thought it was over, and it's not. It's like not at all. So, uh, Tyler, go ahead, man. Yeah. So I guess we'll 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 start off with the with the Peta news. Um, you know, all, every every year the World Series, you know, there's a there's big media around like about baseball, like what what could be better, what's controversial. You know, they've talked about the the Braves arm chop thing, and what that's you know, should we do that or not? That was a whole discussion, but easily by far away the the biggest headline, the one that, that dragged the most attention was PETA. You know, the the for those who don't know, it's the animal rights organization that you know uh, advocates for animals. They, they are claiming that the term bullpen is offensive and that the MLB should stop using that term uh, and instead use the term arm barn. Uh, to, for, the, for those that don't know what a bullpen is, the bullpen is the area where the pitchers warm up before the game and where the relievers literally just sit in the bullpen um, while, while they're waiting to potentially go into the game. Uh, people have been calling it a bullpen forever. For those that don't know, the, the – from why it's called the bullpen it's not officially no one really knows for sure but the but the the guess is that it started in the early 1900s uh there was uh a tobacco company uh i can't remember what it was called specifically but i know there was a bull in the name and their mascot was a bull and so they had a lot of signage up in a lot of different uh areas of the stadiums and a lot of them would be right under the the, the bullpen or where the pitchers warmed up and so that's kind of where the term bullpen came from because they were always warming up in the shadow of this giant bull from this tobacco company. So that's typically, that's kind of where the term bullpen com- came from. And we've been using it for literally over a hundred years. 
Uh, and I don't even think of like an actual animal when I call it the bullpen. Like in my turn, the bullpen is just literally where the mound is where pitchers go warm up. Um, so, you know, Pete is just trying to get attention. You might say that, but I will give them credit. The alternative name that they came up with is a plus material. I think Armbarn is a phenomenal name. And I honestly think it might gain some traction just because I think that I think everyone kind of likes the name Armbarn. It kind of makes way more sense for what it actually is. Um, and it still is, you know, a barn is where animals are, but, you know, typically they're not getting slaughtered in a barn, but in a bullpen, that's kind of what happens. So it's a little more friendlier towards animals. Uh, but Alex, you know, what do you yeah. got on this whole arm barn PETA thing? Like, are you going to start using arm barn? Are you thinking just bullshit? Like, what do you got? Uh, okay. So the, I did not know the origins of the term bullpen. My guess would have been, it would be like a, um, like the bulls that are going to be ridden at a rodeo and how they're kind of held in that pen before like the clowns let them out, you know, and you're trying to do your eight seconds or whatever. That would have been my guess. Hmm. Only baseball would something be named after a tobacco company from like 120 years ago? Like that is so baseball, it hurts a little bit. <laughs> um, like PETA, I'm sure you do some great things for animals around the States or the world or wherever your reach is, but you also do a bunch of dumb shit on Twitter. Like constantly people are just bashing PETA because they're like over the top excessiveness a little bit. Um, I'm probably never going to not call it the bullpen. It's, you know, it's like refer referring to the um, Washington football team as the Redskins. It will probably still slip out at points because it's just tough to relearn. Um, but I 100% agree with you. Arm barn sounds great. I kind of dig it. I may start using it if I remember this, like when the next season comes around. But there's also like a pretty good chance by February or March of next year, I have forgotten completely about this PETA bullpen situation, but I do like arm barn. Congratulations, PETA on coming up with that. Um, but yeah, I also never think of like the animal. It's just where the guys sit and warm up before they come in. Like that's all I ever think about. So yeah, I, I, I don't know, PETA. I don't know what you're doing. Yeah, trading. I mean, I think you have to agree with kind of what Alex just said there. Like no one's really thinking about and when they, you do, you say bullpen, you're not thinking of an animal. You're just, that's just where the pit. So like no one is really thinking that except for PETA, but I don't know. What do you think, Trade? Yeah, PETA is grasping. And here, here's where they're really grasping. They, they're actually saying that the term bullpen actually devalues talented players. I'm not sure that, that Kenley Jansen feels uh, devalued by anyone other than his own fans. I mean, yeah. <laughs> that's it. Yeah. <laughs> that's it i mean it, i don't think he i don't think he cares that he's warming up in what was considered a bullpen however um if if you're going to change the name to an art barn you they they need to make the bullpens barns i mean they need to have barns in the fucking in there with the big windows but i mean you have to i mean it, it's it only make things better um yeah what like oh my god <laughs> well here's the thing it, it, it's a it's a it's a it's a terrible reasoning for finding out about even a better name for something that's that's unfortunate like which is why didn't someone think of this earlier just in a more like like normal way yeah, yeah. The, the, <laughs> the, the the responses on twitter have been pretty great uh one one of them, my favorites was uh a guy photoshopped uh uh like literally like a like a barn 
like yes as the bullpen and it was like i will call it arm barn as long as the bullpens look like this and it's literally just like a photoshop barn house in the middle of the of the uh, stands there so there's there's how about the football guy that said that he talked to the cows yeah and and said and they they don't care yeah they don't care (laughs) yeah so it's it's honestly more amusing than anything else um I'm honestly probably going to call it the arm barn a couple of times just because it's, I, I think it's funny. Um, but yeah, we'll see if it gains any traction, but usually with these things, they, they're, they're, they're kind of like shooting stars. They burn for a good amount of time. People are like, Ooh, that's interesting. And then people forget. And then it's just whatever, but Hey, you never know. It's, it's a, it's a weird fucking world world we live in now. Um, but let's get to the actual baseball. It's still going on. I was kind of hoping that yesterday would have been the last game of the season. Uh, I mentioned last week, James and I both wanted the Braves to win in five games that they would win on their home field. Almost happened. And I thought after the first inning, it was for sure going to happen yesterday after the Braves had a grand slam in the first inning, but the uh, Astros did come back and win that game. So the Astros are still alive as it stands heading into Tuesday's matchup. The Braves do lead the series three to two. Uh, So quick, we're just going to go a quick little recap. Of, of kind of what's happened so far uh game one the the braves won six to two uh jorge soler made history uh he became the first player ever to hit a home run in the first at bat of the world series so that was pretty pretty cool uh also of note in that in that game charlie morton uh he is out for the series with, with a uh broken leg however he didn't do it before throwing 16 pitches with a broken leg and striking out two batters on a broken leg what a fucking badass that guy is uh unfortunately he's not going to be part of the series anymore obviously uh but that was pretty pretty awesome uh trade and that's got i mean i know hockey players are tough but man you got to give some respect to charlie morton on that one right oh yeah any any player that plays that kind of stuff here that's that's an a plus for me yeah uh game two astros won seven to two uh pretty much just a mirror image of what happened in game one you know it was just the uh, braves dominant game one astros dominant game two we were even going back to atlanta my dad was at game three uh, super jealous. He had a great, great time there. Uh, so yeah, I was, I was just jealous all day. I was really mad. I was really hoping I was, I was there, but I wasn't, but my dad got to see the Braves throw a no hitter into the eighth inning, which is pretty phenomenal. That would have been an, an amazing moment. The Braves won that one. Uh, their pitching showed up there, won it two nothing. Go to game four. Uh, I think the best game so far of the series, um, the uh, Braves won 3-2 in the seventh inning. They were down 2-1. They got back-to-back home runs from Dansky Swanson and Jorge Soler. Uh, Alex, uh, would you agree this is probably the best, most entertaining game we've seen so far? And how about Jorge Soler? Like, possible MVP if he continues to do what he's doing? Yeah, yeah I feel like if the, if the Braves – I mean, the Braves have to finish this out. Um, you know, it's he's not having some ungodly world series where even if the Braves lose, he could still win the MVP. So I think the Braves have to finish it out. Um, and Jorge Soler kind of feel the guy, maybe De Swanson. He's had a pretty good um, world series as well. I actually might've game five might've been the best one. Um, you know, like grand slam first inning Astros come back. Freeman hits an absolute tank. Uh, take the lead again, and then the Astros come back again to win game five. Both the first three games were, like, kind of lame for World Series games. Like, there wasn't a whole lot of tension. There wasn't a whole lot of, like, oh, man, there was that one at-bat that changed this game. It was like, nope, games one and three, the Braves pretty much just took control. Game two, the Astros took control. So it's kind of nice that at least these last two games have been more like somebody's coming back, you know, 
it's been more like postseason esque instead of like, oh, this is just like a game in July where somebody gets up three nothing in the first inning and everyone's like, let's just just kind of finish this game out. It's 105 and we're tired. Um, Jorge Soler feels like the MVP. Um, they need to, the Braves need to stop doing the tomahawk chop or whatever the fuck it's called. It's so dumb. The Chiefs need to stop doing it. Um, every, just everyone needs to stop doing it. It's stupid. They also need to stop doing the wave. That has nothing to do with anything. I just really fucking hate the wave. <laughs> um, but yeah. Yeah, I 100% agree with the wave and, and the and the chop shit. I Anyone that's been to a baseball game with me, uh, you know, like I'm like the wave starts. I'm like, God, fucking damn it. Like now I have to freaking like look over people to see what's going on. I'm trying to fucking watch the game, not do a wave with 50,000 other people. It's just stupid. Uh Anyway, going back, going back to the World Series trade-in. Uh, just, I mean, just thoughts on, on, the, on the series so far. On a scale of, like, 1 to 10, like, how entertaining has this World Series been for you? Um, I know as a baseball fan, you're fairly new to it, so you haven't seen a ton of World Series in your lifetime. But, uh, like, kind of, yeah, where, where, where are you at with what you've seen so far? Yeah, it, it's not as memorable as per, for other ones for some reason, and I'm not sure why. Um, I, I just I, – I guess, I guess to Alex's point, there's just not much drama – Although I am very happy it's gonna happen uh, that the Braves are gonna win in six because that's what I said was gonna happen and I know everything so um, you know there's that uh, <laughs> no but seriously uh, you know it, it, I, I guess I would have liked to see a little I, I like to see a lot more of the of the hype that we saw in Game Five to, you know to Alex's point that game was kind of you know back and forth and it really no one really really settled really in until the kind of, towards the end. Um, and to be honest, I mean, anything could have happened in that bottom of that eighth. I thought, I actually thought that there was going to be a bit of a, a, you know, I thought they were going to cut the lead by two. I was hoping, obviously we were hoping that was going to be the case in the eighth, but never happened. Um, but I, I can't definitively say that one team has this, like it's, it's weird because I think that at, at game three, I think that, I think the third game, the way that Astros won, I think if game three was won by the Astros, it'd be over. But the but the Braves kind of kind of saved it. Um, game four was you know whatever. Um, it was a it was an interesting one where you know I think I don't know where we were but um, I, I was busy that day and all and we, we saw that Houston was up two zero and then all of a sudden it was three two. Then we saw the final and like what the fuck. Um, but I, I don't know. I I'm, I'm hoping Tuesday's a a a, a good one. Um, hectic, fun. There's you know some intensity. And, and that the Braves win in six because, I, I like I said, I said that was going to happen. So. Yeah, I think this series as a whole, I was trying to think, like, you know, it's it's had its moments, but as it hasn't quite had that World Series, like, intensity as other World Series in the past. And, you know, a lot of those, maybe, like, maybe it was disappointed that, that the Dodgers didn't make it. But then I was thinking back to the Astros and Nationals, and I thought that World Series was one of the best World Series that we've seen. I was trying to think, okay, what's the difference there? The Nationals beat the Dodgers that year too. So it wasn't, so that's kind of similar to what the Braves are this year. For me personally, like I think this whole thing with the bullpen pitching more innings than the starting pitching and the, the devaluation of like your, your aces being like the main parts of the game. I, for me, for me personally, I think it's hurting the watchability of baseball, especially in the uh, playoffs because you like to see those those horses in that those 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 guys go at it like I like I want to see you know that those Garrett Coles those Verlanders those those Scherzers those Kershaws go head to head and battle out for at least seven innings 
and, and battle out, battle out against the other team's best hitters. Like that for me is why baseball and, and like, you know, major league baseball at its best is so much fun to watch for me. Um, and you just don't get that anymore. I mean, you're, you're, you're seeing, you're not seeing guys face, you know, a pitcher more than twice in a single game anymore. And I, 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 I mentioned last week uh, that I didn't think that we're going to get more than two starting pitchers go more than five innings. The only guy that's entered the sixth inning was Max Reed in game two. And he technically didn't record an out in the sixth inning. So he technically, statistically speaking, did not pitch more than five innings. We have, we have, we have not seen, we, 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 we've seen a few stars go five, but we haven't seen any stars go, go, go into the uh, sixth inning or, you know, go, go, go past that point. Um, for me, I'm not a huge fan of it. There's obviously still the drama of, you know, the, the, the offense and the home runs and all that stuff. And that's still great, but I don't know. I personally miss starting pitching Alex as my other baseball fanatic. Do you agree with me or is that, or am I kind of over re, re, reacting to that point? Um, no, I, I think you're, I think you're right. Um, the constant, you know, relievers coming in and out of the games, like at least the three batter minimum has kind of like, cut that down a bit but yeah like i want to see like a roy holiday throw a nine inning no hitter in the postseason like i want to see somebody throw like an you know eight innings of one run ball and then their closer comes in like offense is great but like a really good pitching um performance is incredible in the postseason because like obviously all these teams are incredibly talented like it's not the 107 win giants shitting on the 112 lost pirates or whatever, you know, like all these teams are legit. So I, I mean, I agree with you. I think part of that is just like, neither of these teams really have that dude right now. Like Max Fried is and or Charlie Morton is probably like the closest guy. Like the Astros don't have that, that guy, like Verlander's hurt. Granky is not that guy anymore. Um, Luis Garcia, Framber Valdez, like none of those are not those types of pitchers. And like, like Ian Anderson for the Braves, like he's technically a rookie still. Um, so I think that's part of it, but like, I mean, even Scherzer and Bueller were only going like four and a third, maybe five. So I think it's definitely something, you know, if we hopefully don't get a work stoppage with this whole CBA issue that the both the MLB owners and the players association are going to have to look into um, because it's, it's just not going to, it can't continue like this or you're going to continue to, you know, have, have issues, but I guess we'll see. Yeah. Uh, it just, yeah, I, I, I just like the starting pitching so much and just, it's, it's a part of the game that we've lost over the last few years. And I, I just think that's a bummer. Um, hopefully that changes. Like you said, like even, even, you know, typical guys like Scherzer being pulled out in the fifth inning, it's just like two years ago, that would have been unheard of. Like there's no fucking chance it's happening. And now it's like commonplace. I, I understand the uh, strategy behind it as, but just as a fan, I like to see those guys go as until, until they just can't, you know? So I'd rather see a guy pitch in the seventh inning and give up a two spot than see, you know, three different pitchers by the, you know, fifth inning. So, uh, you know, it's just, that's just how I like it. But anyway, let's, let's finish this, this segment off by predicting what's going to happen here. So we, you know, we're going on a game six, as I mentioned, the uh, Braves are up three, three to two. They have a second chance to close out their second world series title in franchise history on Tuesday night 
if necessary, a game seven will be uh, on Wednesday. Both those games will be in Houston. Uh, so still plenty of room for a lot of drama left. Uh, this series is definitely not, not over. Uh, so trade in, I'll start with you. How do you see the, the remainder of the series playing out? Are we going to get, are we going to get a game seven? Are uh, the Astros going to come back? Are the Braves going to close it out tomorrow? What do you got? Yeah, I've already answered this question. Uh, it's over tomorrow. All right. Yeah. You did say that last Cause week. Cause if I'm, cause if it's not, it? then I'm wrong and I'm That's never true. wrong. That's true. Alex, what do you got? I'm, I'm usually wrong, but not yeah. tomorrow. <laughs> um, I think the Braves have to win tomorrow. They've got Max Fried going. He's been their most consistent pitcher all season. Um, I think they're going to get it done. I think they got to come out strong um, offensively. If it goes to a game seven, I think, you know, home crowd, I guess Ian Anderson would start that for the Braves. I have no idea who's starting either of these games for the Astros, um, but it kind of feels like it would then fall into the Astros favor if it goes to a game seven. So, and obviously I don't want the Astros to win. I'm perfectly happy with the Braves winning, even though they beat my Dodgers. Um, they were the better team in that series. So good on them. Um, I think they're going to get it done tomorrow. I think we're going to, the season's going to be over. Right. Yeah. So it's just to be different. Let's go game seven. Like everyone loves game sevens. Uh, I think it's fun. You know, I wanted this series to wrap up uh, in Atlanta. I wanted to see that, that, that home crowd win that world series on their home turf. Uh, I still want obviously Atlanta to win. I still think that Atlanta is going to win, but let's put some little drama into this series. Let's not make it so boring. Let's go to a game seven. Let's, 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 let's make it interesting. Uh, so let's, I'm going to go Atlanta and game seven on Wednesday. Uh, but that's all I got. So this is obviously no matter what happens, this is the final uh, baseball segment of the 2021 season. I don't know what I'm going to talk about until uh, February rolls around when, when, when uh, spring training rolls around. If we even have a spring training, as Alex mentioned, there's a little bit of CBA darkness looming in the foreground there, but uh, hopefully that doesn't happen, but we're going to enjoy at least one more game of baseball, possibly two more of the, 20, of the 2021 season. Jaden, that's all I got. Hell yeah. Um, I guess I just wanted to say one quick thing about the whole pitching thing. That is, that is one thing, I guess you've kind of brought it up. It seemed like during the giants and the, and the, and I guess I, I, I see this with every kind of game, like you always for the day, you're always kind of seeing the buildup of who's going to be the starting pitcher. And then you're all, you're, you're thinking about that. Like it's Max Scherzer tonight. It's Clayton Kershaw. Like that gets you up and, get, and gets you going. When there's not really a starting pitcher. It's like, eh, so, um, you know, I think, I think openers, some... openers should not be a thing, Like they should outlaw openers. Fuck that shit. It's bullshit. I just think it's dumb. Okay. Yes. Um, so your uh, Robert said the same thing, but then just did it. So I don't even know how, like, how would you even do that? Cause then you could just yeah. be like, Oh, the guy got hurt. We had to pull him after yeah. the first, I mean, like there's no there's way, no you, way can... you can do that. I just, you know, yeah. cause obviously like, throughout the regular season, you do bullpen games. I get that. But like postseason, we're having bullpen games. Like, come on. Not traditional, but hey, um, I, th I think you definitely have something there. We'll see. <clears throat> but um, the World Series has been has been fun and interesting, and we'll see how it shakes out. And we'll, I guess, we'll maybe talk about it next week or something. Um, but next week, hopefully, we'll have more guys back. We we, know, we don't even know. We're really busy right now. Um, it's a busy time for TLDR podcast, but hopefully, we'll get at least one more of the the guys back. Um, we'll talk about hockey, talk about everything. And um, until then, check us out on, um, you know, on YouTube. You can see the new handlebar mustache at Alex is sporting. It's pretty good. Um, check us out on TikTok, um, all the social media platforms except Facebook because or Meta. 
It's meta yeah, now. Meta. I don't know. Um, that's an interesting move last week. We should get a TFU on meta. <laughs> anyway, um, you guys, ha you guys have a great week. Um, enjoy the enjoy all the sports, and uh, we'll, we'll catch you next week.